2 Corinthians 5.14. This is like an eye test this morning. <clears throat> I just went to the eye doctor last week, and this looks about like what they showed me on the screen. I didn't realize it was going to be that small, by the way. I apologize for that. I used a new, a new font, and I had no idea it was going to I know. <laughs> now, can you all read that? If not, we'll make them larger. <laughs> anyway, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ urges us on. The love of Christ urges us on. Father, thank you for this short but powerful and important word and uh, passage that uh, I've known for a long, long time. King James Version, Lord, it says the love of Christ constrains us, compels us, it urges us on. And Lord, I thank you for the love that you have for us and the love we have for you that motivates our lives, makes us who we are, makes us reach out for more of you and more of life. And we thank you, Father, for the future and hope that you give all of us, that you promise all of us. That, Lord, you do not abandon us, you do not let us go, but you are always our God. And we thank you for that. Amen. Be seated, please. Have you ever thought about how many firsts you've had in your life? I was just, uh, I, I've talked to my different grandchildren, and I've, I've you know, when, when they're about to turn 13, I said, you're about to be a teenager. And uh, that's a first, you know, when we, we have our teen years, when we reach our teen years, first time to lose a tooth, that's always a bit traumatic. Um, it seems like with many firsts, life changes forever. I'll give you some examples. Your first car, suddenly, you have more freedom. Marriage is a first. You lose your freedom. <laughs> your first child, you lose even more freedom and take on greater responsibility. Your first job, you trade your freedom for money. Seriously, you give your time, you trade your freedom, and you get money for that. But first, first things in our lives have a way of changing life as we, as we knew it. And retirement is one of those firsts for me. I don't, I don't know what comes next for me. And it seems like freedom on the one hand, but I have a sneaky suspicion it's not going to be that free right now everything seems the same however I, I was when I when I started preparing and thinking about this message I found myself stumped a little bit because what do you preach on the Sunday after you announce your retirement what do I say now it, is it it's not over yet it's but but the clock is ticking and we are moving in that direction and, and of course, I've never faced this before, but I realized as, I, as the week went on, I am who I am. And my sermons have always reflected my own personal walk with the Lord, and so that's not going to change. It, my messages today and from here on out will be what God's doing in my life and how He's dealing with me. And it's not about me. You know, the, the, this, this message is not necessarily, necessarily about me, and, and though I, a lot of my messages 
are about what I'm going through, it does speak to you because we're all made the same and we're all going through similar things. And so it always speaks to people. But I'm like Peter. When Peter told the, the man at the temple, the lame man at the temple who, were, who was begging, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you. And I can only give what I have. And what I have is what God's doing in me and through me and, and uh, around me. So what do I even mean by retirement? I've always said, I've said it my entire life as far as I can remember, far back as I can remember, that I don't ever plan to retire. And technically I'm not. I mean, though I am retiring from Journey Church and though I'm retiring from pastoring, I'm not retiring from ministry. And, and we, none of us can do that as Christians. We don't retire from ministry. We don't, we don't say, okay, well, I'm 67 years old and so I've, I've done everything I can do for God. And if, you, and if you get to that point, then get ready to die. <laughs> because listen, listen to what it says about David in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. And I like that verse because it says that D David, once he had served God's purpose, it was time to go. And it's not time to go for me yet, so I, continue to, I want to continue to serve God's purpose in my generation. I want to do what God wants me to do and does through me. I'm also not retiring from the gift that God has given me. I can't suppress that part of who I am. And I will continue to teach whenever, wherever, and however God leads, whether it be podcasts or whatever that I've been encouraged to do. However that, whatever that teaching a Sunday school class, I, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like, uh, but I can't give that up either. I can't, I can't retire from that. I, I will not, I told you last week, you're not going to see me pastoring another church. I'm retiring from that. I'm serious about that. I'm not leaving you to go, to go pastor somebody else. You're my final hurrah. And, um, but, but I will teach somehow, somewhere, because the, I feel that I can't ignore the gift that God has, has given me. I'm also not retiring from life. I also want long life, too. I want that prayer that Lori prayed this morning. Let me talk about our decision um, I tried to do a little bit of that last week, but I was an emotional mess, and I did a lot of blubbering. And so you may not have, have gotten some of it, and I'm not going to go over all the, everything I shared last week at all. But I want to talk to you about the decision, how we came to the decision that we came to, because in a way this will be teaching you and helping you in your own lives to make decisions in your life. It's, I've done several messages through the years. I looked, I looked in the last... 12 years 12, 12 or 13 or 14 years about messages that I've preached on the will of God I did a long series just just a few years ago not long two or three years ago on finding the will of God for your life and and uh, did one a lot longer ago than that about how to how to make a decision and I looked over those notes and I thought okay I, I, I've, I've you know was it was pastors have to uh, preach there are follow their own preaching or what was they practice what they preach that's what it is practice what they preach and when i thought about the decision making process we may we had with this this particular decision you know i thought okay i scored well on a lot of the things that 
I've shared over the years about finding the will of God. So let me talk about the decision we made. I, like I said, I couldn't do much of that last week, and it's been one of the biggest decisions we've ever made. Um, it ranks up there with, you know, maybe the top four or five decisions we've made in our lifetime. And though we make multitudes of decisions every single day of our lives, that are there are some decisions that we make that are far more consequential than than others. Uh, decisions that we know are going to not only change our lives, but really change the lives of others as well. I know it, it changes your life in some respects because you have some decisions to make. None of us make decisions like this in a vacuum. It doesn't just affect us, and I know that, and I realize that, and I did not take that lightly. As you know, Andrew, uh, I told you earlier this week, uh, this year rather, that Andrew's desire was to bring G42 to Fredericksburg. And I wrote to him about our decision because him coming here had everything to do with whether we're here or not. And so I wrote to him, him about our decision uh, last week, and he wrote back saying this, and I quote from his email response back to me, I accept that since this is God's will for you, it must also be for me. So he realizes that with us not being here, G42 is not going to come here. It's not going to happen here. But I knew that my decision would affect his decision, that it would affect his life. And a lot of times our decisions are consequential. I mean, it, it, it affects other people. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that my decision affects you as well. Where do we go? What do we do? And I'm sorry for that on the one hand, but I can't be sorry for the decision Stephen mentioned last week that he will retire from his position the day I do. <laughs> and we, we talked about that. And um, the one who makes decisions takes on a responsibility for the consequences. And I, and I recognize that. And all I can say about that is that I know my God. And Lori and I have been, we've been in, in, in prayer about this and, and in prayer about, you know, what's happening in our in our right now but also what is happening in our in the in the days ahead and I know my God and I know God wants to bless us all and that since God is leading me in this way you will find that it will be a blessing to you as well I know it may not seem like that at this moment it doesn't seem like that to us at this moment uh, but we I was telling Katie because you know they're they're moving as well and we were kind of comparing notes and and uh i told her that when we moved here we left we left a place that we thought would be unmatched that we, you know the relationships that we had there would not be the same again and we came here we left a place we loved and we came here and came to a place we tolerated for a couple of years and then all of a sudden we started connecting and making relationships and drawing close, and, and now it's going to be just as hard to leave here, if not harder, to leave here than it was to leave there. So we understand that though it seems strange right now, it seems strange to us to come to Fredericksburg, to this strange place, to this strange building, to that strange house, very strange house, <laughs> very, very strange house. 
when we came to the, this place and it was all strange and weird to us that we look back now and say it was God and that we, were, we have been blessed, very, very blessed to have been here and to, to be a part of all of you. And so I know my God and I know that my decision, though it affects you, and it may seem like a bad moment or a, a, a tough moment, that God is going to bless you. And you're going to look back at some point and say that you're going to agree with that. You're going to look back and say this was a good thing. Not only for us, but for you as well. I believe that with all my heart. I want you to rest assured about one thing, that Lori and I are certain about this. Perhaps more certain than we've been about anything in a long, long time. We came to faith about it. And there's always that question that lurks in all of our minds, you know, how do we know our decision is the right one? And we're all afraid of making the wrong decision. And I don't want to sound, you know, I, I know even as I said that, though, I'm, though I will not take it back, I, we are certain it is undeniable to us the way God is leading us. I don't want you to take that as though it was a cold decision because it was not. It was a very heart-rending, ripping our hearts decision. On the other hand, we knew that we knew that we knew that God was saying this to us. But we want to make sure that we make the right decision, especially as you get older. <laughs> I found when we were younger, you know, if you mess up with a decision, a life-changing decision, oh well, you can change that and do something different. And as you get older, you don't feel that anymore. You feel like this better be the last decision we make like this. So decisions as you get older seem to be far more consequential. I thought long and hard about the Apostle Paul's decision to go to Jerusalem. If you remember in the book of Acts, towards the, towards the end, about chapter 20, 21, uh, it's 28 chapters, so it is towards the end of the book of Acts, Paul is talking about going to Jerusalem. And he met with opposition from other believers. People said he shouldn't do that. Some of them even speaking through the Spirit. And I found this really odd. I'll put the scripture up here for you. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to. So they were saying this through the Spirit, and I'm thinking, Paul, you know, they're saying this through the Spirit, and yet Paul was determined to go to Jerusalem. So here he has Christians saying Paul and urging him not to go. Others were emotionally urging Paul not to go, so much so that it was breaking Paul's heart. Look at this next verse. Then Paul answered, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? And the Greek here is shattered. My heart is shattered, is being shattered by this. But still, Paul was not deterred by those things. He has to follow the will of God. And we felt that, and we understand that, I think. We, we felt that. Lori has a friend who a few days ago listed all the reasons we shouldn't go. <laughs> Adamantly. Sheila was a witness to it, an ear witness to it. Very loudly and adamantly, all the reasons we shouldn't go. We told our neighbor about our decision, and he said to me two or three times, please don't go. 
And I understand that. I know it hurts. When I, gosh, we've had plenty of people leave our church. And I would love to have gotten on my knees and begged them, please don't go. You know, that's happened in the past 33 years. I don't know how many times I wanted people not to go. And so I get that. I understand that. And I know it hurts, and it hurts me as well. But it's like I said to someone in a text a few days ago, and I'm quoting myself here in a text, emotions would keep me here, obedience compels me to leave. Love for you all would hold me here, love for God urges me to leave. And that, that's hard sometimes. It's what Paul was saying. They're weeping and they're breaking Paul's heart, but he says, I have to go. I have to obey God in this passage, if you'll read it later. Paul said to his friend, you're breaking my heart. That's why I said to Pierre last week, I knew that I knew that I knew. I've watched Pierre over the years. Somebody's crying, Pierre gets up and he's going to give him a big hug. And so when I was up here and I said something and I, sh I shared that and I looked at Pierre and you, you may not know this, I, I may have said this last week, but I, it's, it's a little bit of a blur to me. When Pierre was standing up there when we finished worship, I took two or three steps over to him and I looked him in the eye and I said, I'm sorry. And he said, for what? And I said, you'll see. And so when I stood up here and, and shared that and I looked at him and I said, that's why I said, I'm sorry. And then he gets up, he starts heading this way and I thought, I can't take this, don't do this. I told him as he was walking up here, I said, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. And I just, I fell apart. I understand that. Well, I think that's what Paul was saying. My heart's breaking. You're shattering my heart. And I get that. And um, I've talked a lot, like I said, about decision-making over the years. It's, it's easy to preach on, but harder to do. And as I said last week, we've been struggling, Lori and I have been struggling with this the last three to four years. So I could say at the very least, and by the way, some of you have said to us, we've been sensing this coming for a while, and, and, and I'm, glad you, I'm glad that you have because you've been, by sensing that, then, then at least, at the very least, if I didn't come right out and say, you know, if I'd said four, year, four years ago, yeah, we're, we're praying about our future and what to do and leaving and stuff like that, then I would have been here four years later still, you know, you're wondering, okay, when, when's that going to happen, you know? But I'm glad at least that you, that you began to sense that because as, as I said, my messages are about what, what's God, what God's doing and dealing with me about. And, and so it, you listen, you're, you're catching that in the things I was saying. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that at least. I could say at the very least, because it's been three or four years that we've been talking about this, that we, I didn't break one of the cardinal rules of making an important decision. One I had in a ser sermon series years ago, which said, don't make these kinds of decisions hastily. Don't, don't make those kinds of decisions in haste. And so I think three or four years would, would say we, we didn't hastily make this decision. Uh, we had, Lori and I had countless discussions about it. And uh, I think probably got my mom's hopes up over the years because we'd talk to her about it. And then we'd say, no, nah, no, it's not time or whatever. 
And over time, it seems that things started coming together. And one of the things we were constantly confronted with was from the passage that I mentioned last week that we literally saw the writing on the wall, a billboard right outside of Rockwall, Texas that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will uh, make straight your paths. We, I grew up with uh, he will direct your, your paths. Grew up the King James Version and that's actually the title of my message this morning is God will direct your path. Because that's what we feel like God has done. Lean not, on, lean not to your own understanding. We're tempted to do that in life. You know, we've lived with ourselves for a long, long time, and we get to where we trust ourselves. And we trust ourselves probably more than we do other people, and sometimes more than we do God. You know, God's telling us to do something. Oh, no, I don't think that's a good idea, God. You know, we trust our own our own understanding. We're tempted to do that. And over time, we get to where we, we, again, we trust our own judgment. But the Bible warns us that sometimes the way that seems right to us is a way of death, as it says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And so we have to be careful that it, when we trust in our own uh, understanding and we make decisions that seem right to us ignoring God then that is a path that leads to death and I don't it doesn't mean physical death necessarily spiritual death death of the soul or, or whatever so we had we had to let go of what of, of, of this seems right thoughts at times we had to let go of those of those things no oh, this seems right but we had to let go of those things and we both also have a commitment to know that our decision is right and good in the eyes of God. I found this great verse uh, in Job chapter 34, verse 4, actually in one of my old sermons. Let us choose what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Let us choose what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. And finding that can be an adventure. And it has been an adventure. It would be much easier if God would come down and point with his finger on a map and say, here it is. Wouldn't that be much easier? So determining the will of God, hearing him, seeing him, paying attention to the signposts, that's hard. And that keeps us on our toes and it keeps us alert. And I've found myself far more alert to God than in the last, I would say, six weeks than I have in a, in a long, long time. He didn't do that for Abraham. He didn't come down to Abraham and say, look, here it is, Abraham. Here's a map, you know, and there's, here you are. There is where I want you to be. Here's what God said to Abraham. Go to the land that I will show you. So he had to launch out not having a clue where he was going. I'll show you. I'll show you along the way. You'll get there. Just follow me. Trust me. Don't lean to your own understanding. Trust me, and I will direct your steps. I don't know how that worked with Abraham, but for us, God's promise was this. God says, I will direct your steps. I will direct your steps. God has told that to me over and over and over again. I keep repeating it to Lori. Every time something happens, a hiccup or something like that, I'll say, 
God is directing our steps. God is directing our steps. That's God's part. God said, I will direct your steps. Our part is threefold. We'll put it up on the screen for you one more time. Three things he said. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me. And God's part, again, you do those three things, I will direct your steps. So first of all, trusting in him and not in myself, and then look and listen. That's basically the summary of these three things. Trusting in him and not myself, and then looking and listening, watching, paying attention, acknowledging him. That's what the word acknowledge means. It says see him, know him, experience him, discover him. These are all the synonyms of the Hebrew word here. See him, notice, pay attention to, be aware of, discover, experience. And so that takes alertness. That takes watching what's going on around us in our lives because God is directing our steps. And if God is directing our steps, how is he going to do that? He's going to make the, and, and again, the, pre, the, the, the verse that I quoted was from the English Standard Version, I think. It says he will make your path straight. King James Version is he will direct your, your path. Both are great, but the point is he's going to, there's a straight path there, there's a straight path there, there's a straight path there. That's not a good one, that's a crooked path. You know, God's going to make the way for us, and we have to pay attention to that. And so Lori and I gradually over time came to a certainty that God was directing our steps. It was undeniable. I shared a little bit of it with you last week. I could share far more. I was holding back on some of it, and I'll share that with you in a week or two. But when God began to lay the things out and, and we began to watch and pay attention to those things, it became undeniable. I, I actually shared it with a person or two, and they said, you would be a fool not to do this because it's so undeniable. It's, it's, it's God, and to not do it would be missing God. And, and so... God's leadership was everywhere we looked. And again, it reminded me of Paul's certainty. Paul speaking by the Spirit, or rather people speaking by the Spirit didn't sway Paul. Remember I showed you the verse that said that people, his friends through the Spirit were saying, don't go to Jerusalem. That did not sway Paul. There was a prophetic warning. A man took Paul's girdle or belt or something and tied it, tied himself up, and he said, this is what's going to happen to the man who goes, whoever owns this, this is what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. So there was a, there was a prophetic warning of trouble coming Paul's way, but that did not persuade him. And then there were the tearful urges of his friends that did not deter him. So it was like, bam, 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 three things that happened. People around him through the Spirit saying, don't go, and, and the prophet saying, you're going to be in big trouble if you do go. And, and then people crying around him and every one of them, Paul said, I know that I know that I know. I know. I know that I'm supposed to go. And when Paul persuaded them that he was hearing God, they, they relented and they said, let the will of the Lord be done. They, they said exactly what Jesus said. Your will be done, not mine. And so that's what it comes down to and came down to for us. Paul knew and, and we know. And as I said, we've had to remind ourselves with every hiccup or setback that God promised to direct our steps. 
Will there be a sense of loss? Yes. Will there be disappointment? Yes. Will there be anxiety? Probably. Will there be fear? Likely. But we are fully resting in God's capable hands. How many of you know that faith is usually not very easy? If faith was easy, everybody would have faith. But <laughs> Jesus told his disciples often, he said, oh, ye of little faith, because faith is not an easy thing. And so faith for us, it's not easy. It's sometimes downright scary. But it's the life that God has called us all to. We are to walk by faith and we're to live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Lori and I started out our life together having to believe God for everything that pertained to life. I mean, literally. We had to believe God for every morsel. Everything we had, we had to believe God. And I feel that we're in the same place right now. It's almost like we've come full circle, and that's not a bad place. It's a very, very good place. <clears throat> we left Wyoming... And I've shared this before, but let me kind of close with this, these thoughts. We left Wyoming over 35 years ago from a funeral. We, we, had, um, we had packed up everything, had our U-Haul. I think my brother had pulled out in the U-Haul the day before. And a lady in our church that we loved dearly, our, we called her grandma. Our, it, it was my, my kid's our kids' grandma for, for all intents and purposes because they were so far from their real grandma. She passed away while we were packing. And so I did her funeral. We went to the church and we had a meal afterwards and we literally left our nine years of Wyoming White Mountain Christian Center from the church parking lot from a funeral, which was... Again, a way in which God was saying, you need to put this to rest here and move on to something different. My last time stepping across the threshold of our church, my eyes locked with my friend and fellow elder of nine years, and it was a tearful, wordless goodbye. We didn't say a word to each other. We just looked in each other's eyes and just both began to weep and I. And I stepped across the threshold and was gone. After I'd been in Fredericksburg for a few months, I was sitting on the steps of our porch. And I was feeling pretty discouraged. And a longtime friend from New Mexico called me and said, God told me, he said, I've been in prayer for you and God told me to tell you something. He said, God told me to tell you. And he had no, he had no idea I was sitting on my porch discouraged. Was Jack McCarty at the time he was a cow puncher. I mean, he was on a horse all day long punching cows and and he was praying for me. As soon as he got to a phone, he called me up. He said, I've been praying for you, and God told me to tell you that God never demotes, he always promotes. <clears throat> Fredericksburg has certainly been an expression of God's promotion to me. It took me a while to see that, and, and then I saw it, and, and it has definitely been a crown. It's, it's like God said, I'm, I promoted you here. And now I look forward to the next promotion. I don't see retiring and being a member of a church and going on to 
I'm not going to even say greener pastures. It's less than less green, to be honest. <laughs> I was just telling Katie, Paris, Texas is not a desirable place to live <laughs> at all. And um, but at the same time, I believe that word of the Lord to us, me, 33 years ago, that God always promotes. He doesn't demote. And I don't see this as a demotion at all. A promotion to the next thing God wants to do in, in our lives, whatever that looks like. But I do know this. God will direct our steps. And the same God who in my past directed my steps is now right is now in my future directing my steps for tomorrow. Steps I haven't even taken yet. But God's there already setting things up. And if that's true for me, it is true for all of you. I want you to understand that. That um, whatever God has for you is good. It's a promotion. It's a good thing. And um, again, it may not seem like it at this moment, but You'll look back and say it was a good thing. I believe that.